Good evening. Today is Tuesday, April 19th, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week, we are on Appendix 2, The Spiritual Experience, and our speaker tonight is Patrick B. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you all. My name is Patrick. I'm a compulsive overeater. Uh, first, I just want to thank um, all of you for the invitation to uh, share experience, strength, and hope on your meeting tonight. Uh, it's a privilege and an honor anytime I get to share um, my experience in Overeaters Anonymous. Um, Amy will show those pictures shortly. Um, and I, I think it's fair to say that, um, and by the way, both those other people have given permission for those their photographs to be included here. Um, what you see on the left-hand side is, as you face the screen, is a 400-pound man who is dying of type 2 diabetes, who is 11 years sober in the Grandfather Fellowship, claiming to have had a spiritual experience. Um, I was doing everything correctly, visually. I, it, it, it looked good. I was attending meetings. I was um, sponsoring men. I had the first 164 pages of the big book memorized. I could defend myself very well against any attack at the idea that I wasn't living spiritually. But I think you can see very clearly the evidence spoke otherwise. Um, so when it comes to this chapter, spiritual experience, I have some experience living um, out of it and living in it. Um, now, I will say this, many good things happened to me when I arrived in Alcoholics Anonymous because I was drinking myself to death. Um, I've had the food addiction since I was a kid. I picked up the alcohol addiction when I was 13. Um, and uh, it was, you know, obvious what happened. So when I, um, when I look at, at spiritual experience, um, it was really important for me to understand what that was, what that is. Um, and it's interesting because today I was reading the book with a sponsee uh, and we were reading Bill's story. And I would just take you quickly, if you have your books available to you, and if not, there's some italics on, on page 12, which are pertinent to this meeting. And by the way, I just love the meet, the, the, uh, the, the title of this meeting, because if you told me that I had to have a particular idea to adhere to a particular idea of a higher power when I came into Alcoholics Anonymous in 2003, or again, when I came into OA in, in 2015, I'm going out the door because I was theologically abused as a kid and any reference to a theologically based or religiously based entity that was going to be the end all for me, I wasn't having it. Um, so I understand when Bill talks about, or when the, when the original writers put in the second edition, and remember that spiritual experience wasn't in the first edition. It was the misconception that, that what had happened to Bill was supposed to happen to everybody that, that sort of compelled them to come up with this appendix to spiritual experience. There'd been so many misconceptions that they people would have the experience that Bill had in the hospital. And if you look at page 12, my friend suggested what then seemed a novel idea. Why don't you choose your own conception of God? 
italics, right? So they're emphasizing. It was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. And then he goes on page 13, and I'm obviously jumping around a little bit, but I think it's important to, to contextualize my talk. My friend promised when these things were done at the bottom of 13 there, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator. Hmm, a relationship. See, it's one thing to know my higher power, and it's another thing to enter into a relationship. A relationship would indicate that it requires my participation. There may be certain things that are going to be asked of me, like a step 11 practice, prayer and meditation, right? Like regular thorough inventory in step 10. Hmm. In order to maintain a relationship, it requires my participation. I'm guessing just because I'm speaking on a 12-step meeting that there might be somebody on here that's participated in a bad relationship <laughs> in which maybe you or the other human, no, not any of us, Amy, shaking her head, um, that, that maybe you weren't able to participate in or the other individual wasn't able to participate in and we all know where that goes, right? So this, that line, a new relationship with creator, that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. Belief in the power of God plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. Not a suggestion, requirements. Distinct, clear language. Simple but not easy, a price had to be paid. It meant destruction of self-centeredness. I must turn in all things to the Father of Light who presides over us all. And then he describes his experience that they wrote Appendix 2 to sort of explain and give context to others who, who weren't having what, Bill, what, what was framed as a white light experience. And if you look at Bill Wilson's evolution in Alcoholics Anonymous, he had this initial white light experience, but then he began to have a, the educational variety, as it says in spiritual experience. Um, if you'll turn back to spiritual experience, where it says in the first few chapters in the third paragraph, a, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described, though it was not our intention to create such an impression. Many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. The interesting thing in it, about this is when I came into the other 12-step fellowship that I'm a member of, I had an experience like that that removed the obsession to consume alcohol. But the educational piece was that I had this other addiction that almost immediately raised its head. I was 230 pounds when I arrived in AA. And in that photograph you saw, I was over 400 and dying of type two diabetes. And I had put on 150 pounds post triple bypass. I did so much damage to my heart with drinking that I had a triple bypass at five years sober and proceeded to undergo a cardiac recovery program of putting on 150 pounds in six years. The book says, what? but what about the real alcoholic? I am the real alcoholic and the real compulsive overeater, right? I have a major affliction. And 
the spiritual experience that I underwent in AA was sufficient to remove the obsession to drink and allow me to be helpful to alcoholics. But I thought the credits transferred to this other addiction and they don't. I needed all, A, I needed all of you. That was, that was the first thing that I needed to understand is that I needed all of you to share your experience, strength, and hope with this particular addiction because of the obvious differences. Clearly, I had to learn how to eat differently. I needed a food plan. I needed a sponsor. I needed a nutritionist. I needed to be able to understand how to use the tools of Overeaters Anonymous, right? Um, and I needed to learn that from you. And that was part of the spiritual experience. That was part of the gradual awakening of my spirit and my relationship with a higher power being, because it's really hard to have a connection with a higher power when the temple that the spirit lives in is as sick as the man that you saw on the left-hand side. My experience is this, and this is just my experience, but so I'm going to share it. But the my spirit can't live in a sick temple. And when I'm overweight, and when I'm consuming food and pounding sugar into my system, I can't have a spiritual experience. It's just not possible for both things to, to exist, right? So unless I am abstinent and eating in a way that's sane and, and accountable, by the way, not just to me, but to another human being, I need to be accountable. I claim my food every day, right? That's what works for me. Um, if I'm not doing that, I'm subject to the restless, irritable discontent, and then we all know what happens. I'm going to pick up. And if I pick up, I have no shot at having a relationship with a higher power because I've now substituted food for that higher power. I have, and if anybody on here is, is struggling with the idea of a higher power, I would propose to you that the reason you're here is that you've been living with a higher power in your life, food or restriction from food or whatever it may be for years. And now we're just looking to choose a different team. The higher power is already present. I implicitly trusted what food would do for me. It would change how I felt. I implicitly trusted that. Then I come to a 12-step fellowship and you tell me that I have to implicitly trust a power greater than myself. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. 10 minutes remaining. Thank you, Amy. So this next paragraph, among the rapidly growing membership of thousands of such compulsive overeaters, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist calls the educational variety. I needed the education that I got here to have my spirit enter into what I like to call authentic recovery. And what authentic recovery is, is I practice these principles in all my affairs to the best of my ability. And those principles being, first and foremost, what it says at the end of this reading Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery. Those are the fundamental principles that I have to live by. And it says that these are indispensable, which indicates to me, if I'm reading this correctly, that I can't have a spiritual experience unless I am willing, honest, and open-minded to whatever is presented to me as a way, as a pathway to abstinence. 
even if those are practices that heretofore were very antithetical to me. Because if you tell me that I have to have daily accountability around what I'm going to put in my mouth the day before I come into OA, honestly, I'm going to flip you the bird because, you know, nobody puts baby in the corner and I'm going to eat what I eat. And you don't get to tell me what to eat. That's, I mean, you know, I'm an extreme example in the run up to the third step. There's a line in the book that says the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. And the way that I will display that extreme example of self-will run riot is believing that I can manage how and what I eat. It's the most insane idea I have yet. And that's evidenced by the medical condition that I was in when I have arrived here. I'm a man who is sitting here in front of you. I only own six toes. Four of them have been removed due to the chronic neuropathy that the type 2 diabetes that I experienced and is now in full remission through nutrition. I no longer require medication. I have had four of my toes amputated and I nearly had my right leg amputated because of the infection and the abscess that I got because I have chronic neuropathy from type two diabetes. I'm a man who will experience life-threatening, body mangling consequences from my compulsive overeating and it won't be sufficient to keep me abstinent. But I have this internal resistance to the idea that I need to invite a power greater than myself in. That's a hell of a spot. Um, this paragraph above the last paragraph on page 184, most emphatically, we wish to say that any compulsive overeating capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, pro provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. What I couldn't close my mind to were the spiritual concepts and your stories. You kept showing me that this worked. So one day at a time, I would call my sponsor at a ridiculously early time of the morning that she demanded and report to her what I was going to put in my food and read her a little inventory and, you know, do all these ridiculously disciplined things that I thought you guys were doing complete overreach with, right? Uh, don't you guys think you're special? You're all running around clear-eyed, happy with beat up big books in the meetings, right? Just frayed big books because you're in them all the time. You know, I've often heard that the saying that if you see a human being with a big book that's falling apart, usually they're not falling apart, right? They're usually pretty well put together. Um, he can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. And the belligerent denial that I had was that step one was present in my life with food. And the unmanageability was the idea that my participation in another 12-step fellowship kept me immune from this. It was a heck of a spot. And it was a heck of a second surrender. It was a miserable experience that I am profoundly grateful for today. But in the midst of it, you take a guy that thinks he knows 
that thinks he understands what 12-step recovery is supposed to look like. You take a guy who is nothing but a big bloated example of inauthentic BS recovery. And by the way, I got 12-stepped by one of you at that convention that I was at. That photograph on the left, that tag around my neck, I was at the 2015 Alcoholics Anonymous International AA Convention in Atlanta, Georgia with 55,000 other alcoholics. I could hardly walk. My back was killing me. My knees were killing me. When I saw my sponsor in person, my sponsor lives in Texas. My AA sponsor lives in Texas. He hadn't seen me in a couple of years. He was, he, he, he actually turned pale. He was so afraid of the condition that I was in. I could only walk about 500 feet. And what happened was, is that this couple I knew from some speaking engagements I did around AA saw me there. And I had always assumed they were both alcoholics. Well, it turns out she was one of you. And she told him to go get coffee and sat down next to me. And said to me, Patrick, how you doing? And I said, I'm fine. Isn't it great? You know, I did, I did my usual thing. And she looked at me and said, Patrick, you're full of shit. You're dying. You're dying from compulsive overeating, and I'm not going to let you off the hook here. I have too much love and respect for, for your ability to carry the message. And she 12-stepped me hard. She put her fingers in the wound. She popped the ego of a quote unquote recovered alcoholic and got to the crux of the matter. And for some reason I broke. Now I didn't go to a meeting for about a month when I got home, but it turns out my home group was about a mile and a half from my house. So I had to fly to Atlanta to get 12 steps by one of you all who flew from California. I had to fly to a meeting in Atlanta to get 12 step by one of you all. So I got 12 stepped at a 12 step convention into another 12 step fellowship by a responsible 12 stepper. If you think you're a little sick, you're amongst friends. Right. But that's what happened. One of you saved my life because she wouldn't let me off the hook. She wouldn't let me produce the BS that I had always defended my overeating. With. She knew what she was looking at and she had the courage to carry the message of Overeaters Anonymous to me in a loving and responsible way. But that loving and responsible way was harsh. It was hard. She had to do that in order to punch through. She knew that I would defend. She knew that I was resistant. So thank God for all of you and the courage to have that committed, honest conversation with me, because if not, you have a different speaker here. So the spiritual experience was with somebody who was willing, honest, and open-minded enough to entertain the idea that maybe she could help me, right? Two minutes remaining. And, and so I'll, I'll close it with this. What was stopping me from recovery from that compulsive overeating was an opinion about an experience I hadn't had yet, which is, is really the summation of this last paragraph. The principle, which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments and which cannot fail to keep a man or a woman or gender neutral human being in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. For me, contempt prior investigation looks like this. 
I was asked a couple of questions early on in, in, in my fellowship, in the other fellowship. And one of them was, Patrick, is it possible you're in more trouble than you think you are? Whoa. Well, there's a consideration. So I asked, is it possible you're in trouble, more trouble than you think you are? And is it possible that's what's standing between you and a life of dignity, integrity, recovery, purpose, love, kindness, compassion, understanding, family relationships, a relationship with a power greater than you that can take you places that you never expected in your life is an opinion about an experience that you've never had. What I would recommend to you is have the experience, report back to me, work all 12 steps, get a sponsor. If you're new here, recovery is available. You never have to compulsively overeat again. The book's real clear about that. It, it, it has the words permanent recovery in it. And all of us can share in that idea, right? Um, the spiritual experience and, and what this chapter did for me was introduce me all to you. And you saved my life and gave me the kind of recovery that I always wanted to have in that other fellowship, but couldn't get to. And by the way, I'm still a, a, a member of that fellowship of, of neck deep. I am, I'm neck deep in both of these. But it, it made me a better member of that fellowship and makes me a responsible recovered member of this fellowship willing to carry the message to all of you tonight. I am very grateful for your presence here. I am very grateful for all of you. And I'm grateful um, for the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous um, and Overeaters Anonymous. And I'll pass. Oh, thank you so, so much, Patrick. Thank you. Wow. Uh, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to this chapter being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order, for, in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions, or star nine if you're on the phone, and the Zoom host will call the raised hands in order and ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. And if the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. And now I'll turn to our Zoom host. Thank you. All right, I'm Katie, compulsive overeater. Delighted to be here. Thank you so much, Patrick. Um, Jojo, go ahead and get your question started. Hi, I'm Jojo. Patrick, I was wondering if you could um share about how you connect with your higher power, what that looks like on a daily basis or whenever. I would, I would, uh, I would, I would love to do that. I am, I'm a, I'm a very early riser. I get up very early in the morning because I enjoy the quiet time before I go out into the madness. So I'm up at four 30 every morning. Um, and I typically get sort of, um, ready for the day. I have my breakfast about 5.30 or 6, depending on kind of the day. And then I have um, usually 45 minutes to an hour set aside for reading of spiritual material. Um, sometimes that's 12-step spiritual material. Sometimes that's other stuff. I'm delving into um, a classic currently. Um, 
I have another one here too that's really good. Um, I know these aren't approved, but you know these are things that I that I read. And then I do um, mindful meditation. Um, I've been a, a, a big fan of the Buddhists uh, for many, many years. Um, I have practiced sitting meditation. Um, it was sporadic when I was up until uh, I came to you guys, and then it became consistent because of the accountability of, of making my call every morning um, with my food and, and reading my inventory. So the actual tasks that you guys uh, that my sponsor encouraged me to, 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 to start my OA program with and what I continue to do today um, has really helped me with, with a consistent meditation practice. Uh, then I recite a few prayers, most of which are in the big book. Um, I'm a big fan of the third step prayer. I'm a big fan of the seventh step prayer. And I'm a big fan of the St. Francis prayer, which can be found in the 12 and 12. Um, and I have a, uh, I have a uh, faith um, um, organization that I attend um, occasionally. Um, I'm not what I would call a member, but I do like to show up because I like to be in community with people who are seeking the guidance of a power greater than themselves. And I do like the music of many religious traditions. Um, so that, that's how I maintain and, and, and do that, but it really is the daily sort of contemplative meditation, uh, listening, you know, the prayers and then, uh, reading of spiritual material. There are, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of ways that human beings have expressed their, um, relationship with a power greater than themselves. And, you know, I like to, I like to explore, what other people have done and, and, and use what applies for me. So. I will say, I'll just add quickly that at the beginning, it was very simple. It was the third step prayer, the seventh step prayer, um, and a little bit out of the big book. That's all I did. And it worked. Thanks, Patrick. Angela G with a question or share. Hi, everyone. I am Angela, gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater and bulimic. Um, wonderful, wonderful, Patrick. It was incredible hearing you and your message. Um, I have a question. I'm wondering if you could share with us um, how you carry your message specifically with your sponsees. Just a little bit about how you do sponsor. I'm really curious about that. Thank you again. Um, so I am a member of um, OA How, and and How has um, sort of a an entry method in which we have a series of questions, eighty of them, um, that use the Big Book and the Twelve and Twelve, alternating. Um, reading of material and answering of questions. So that's how I sponsor. Um, it's, it, it worked really well for me, especially a guy I, I came, you know, I had a lot of contempt prior to investigation because I thought I knew the book, right? But I needed that contextual, the, the way that the questions were structured, it helped crack me and get me around that first step idea. 
And um, so that's, you know, the way I sponsor people. Now, I have um, on three different occasions taken traditional OA members through the big book because I, I, I have um, through the steps of the big book. But I, I, I really require uh, as a sponsor, I ask that they have abstinence established from, from overeating because as the book says, a man's brain needs to be clear. That's a line in the book. And, and I just don't think it's possible for you to spiritually work your way into abstinence. I think abstinence needs to be present for a short period of time before the spiritual experience can be embarked on. That's one man's opinion. You know, maybe others do it a different way, but that's how I, how I approach it. Amy B with a question. Oops, I muted you by accident. No worries, my friend. Um, Amy B, compulsive overeater, living very gratefully in a recovered state today. Thank you so much, Katie and Kira, for your service tonight. Patrick, thank you so much um, for your experience, strength, and hope, for your honesty um, with all of that. Um, I, I, I love hearing you speak. Um, I'm grateful for the message that you carry. I'm grateful for the person who 12-stepped you. Um, I love the questions that you asked. Is it possible that you're in more trouble than you think you are? Is it possible that whatever's blocking you is an opinion about an experience you've never had? I've I, Amazing how that resonates, opinions about ex other people's lived experiences. But I love the, is it possible? Because it's such a gentle way to ask the question, is it possible? That's all. Is it possible? Not as a definite, not as it, you know, whatever. And I think that's also the difference between a spiritual awakening and a spiritual experience. One of the things that I love is that there are three asterisks in the big book that direct us to appendix two. And the first one is on uh, page 25. And there is a solution referring to, you know, the great fact is just this and nothing less. We've had deep and deep and effective spiritual experiences. And then the asterisk is like fully explained appendix two. And then two pages later, there's a paragraph about, you know, what it is about, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, suddenly cast to one side, a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate. And then at the bottom, it says for amplification, see appendix two. So the first time they're like, it's fully explained. Then they're like for amplification. And then on page 47, when it says we needed to ask, but one short question, do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe at the bottom? It's like, please be sure to read appendix two on the spiritual experience. And I love the fact that it's just gently encouraging us to remember remember that like this happens slowly. Um, and my own personal experience with this is that I had like a brilliant white light experience and it was not enough to give me conscious contact that took an educational variety. Um, thank you again so much for, for your share today. So, so grateful. And thank you everybody for being here. Um, couldn't do it alone. I passed. Thank you. Uh, we will now stop the recording for unrecorded questions or shares. Katie, would you please stop the recording?